Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My guest today is Nathan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and thanks for having me back. Today's topic, The Transformers, the movie. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. You know, I always thought there's one too many thes in that title. The Transformers, the movie. Yeah, that didn't really need the second the, did it? <laughs> I mean, the movie makes sense, but I guess it was The Transformers, the animated series. Anyway, this was a TV series in the 80s. And then in 1986, we got this movie, which upset a lot of kids because mm-hmm. there's, oh, yeah. there's some deaths Trauma. in this movie of yeah. beloved characters. If you've seen if you've seen the TV show The Toys That Made Us, there's an episode about Transformers, and you find out what was going on there, why characters were dying, and it's because uh, they wanted to sell more toys and introduce mm. new characters. But the mm. the cast of this film is very impressive. It features the voices of Eric Idle, a Monty Python, Judd Nelson. Leonard Nimoy, Casey Kasem, Robert Stack, Lionel Stander. I mean, the cast just it just goes on and on. Uh, Scatman Crothers, you would know yeah. from The Shining, me. SNL, yep. Peter Cullen, of course, Optimus Prime, the Frank iconic Welker, voice of Optimus Prime, Orson Welles. I mean, Orson Welles. Yeah, what in, the hell in this movie? Who unfortunately did die ten months before the films release and this is actually ah, so posthumous. It's his final it's his final role. Um mm. but having him in this film it just adds so much gravitas. I mean it it really does. I mean people like um, again Leonard Nimoy being in the cast but this started as a, a cartoon and it was a cartoon mm. much like Masters of the Universe the idea launched from a toy line was yeah. to sell toys. Like they had yeah, toys. 100%. It's like 100%. there's ads we can put on TV, but what can we do to sell more toys to reach yeah. the audience? And it was by making animated series. And then again, they they made this film. If you're unfamiliar with the plot, the heroic Autobots defend their homeworld Cybertron from the evil Decepticons. Both factions are seething with anger. And that hatred has blinded them to a hideous menace headed their way. And the film takes place in 2005. Yeah, which I thought was pretty funny. (laughs) It is pretty funny. But I think we should just stop for a moment. And let me ask you, because we've not actually Mm. talked Transformers on the podcast before over Mm. at that film, Stu. Uh, Jason yep. and I did a review of Bumblebee, which is fantastic. I've yet to see Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which is said to be excellent, but Bumblebee mm. is my personal favorite, and especially comparing it to all the Michael Bay Transformers movies, um, which is essentially where I get most of my Transformers knowledge from. But what about you as a kid? Did you watch the cartoon? Did you have the toys? Oh, absolutely. Um, the cartoon was my entry point. And I think at this point, if you weren't aware of the Transformers, you would have had to have been living under a rock for the last 30 years or more. 
but um yeah we we I, we, we all grew up with them and um very familiar with them from a young age they were right up there with he-man and um and, and properties like that which we all loved as kids and ghostbusters and the like um i think transformers was probably one of my childhood loves before you know obviously he-man and and the, the, the teenage mutant turtles came along and ghostbusters too so very familiar with them and the and the cartoon to answer your question in a long-winded way was my first exposure to it growing up a close friend of mine massive transformers fan still is to this mm. day me personally never got it never got yeah. into it i can take them or leave them i like them but they're not my go-to beloved franchise i know what you mean i did have some transformers toys growing up because as you say they were everywhere but mm. this viewing of the transformers the movie it's my first time it is my first yeah. time seeing this movie i'd heard about it but what i mainly knew this film for is the soundtrack oh yeah it's 80s has the soundtrack is is incredible like it really is incredible and without Super seeing 80s. this movie listen to it a lot like i'm a fan of 80s music and i mean the the composer so the score is by vince decola he mm has composed scores for films such as Staying Alive, Rocky IV, and, of course, the Transformers movie. But it's really known for Stan Bush's song, The Touch. I mean, this mm -hmm. is prominently featured in the film. Interestingly, it was originally written for the Sylvester Stallone film Cobra in 86, but wow. didn't get used for that movie. We got it for this. A remix is featured in the 2012 video game Transformers Fall of Cybertron, and the song is featured in the 2018 film Bumblebee. The soundtrack it includes Instruments of Destruction by NRG, Dare by Stan Bush, Nothing's Gonna Stand in Our Way, and Hunger by Kickaxe, but they are credited as Spectre General. Dare to be nice. Stupid by... Weird Al Yankovic and a hard rock <laughs> remake of the Transformers TV theme song by Lion. I mean, this is I love it. I love they got Weird Al in there. <laughs> Me too. But it, I'm at, I mean, the soundtrack is amazing. It's it's yeah. a weird one where I've literally this week watched the movie for the first time, and I said to you, "Hey, I've just watched the Transformers, the movie. Do you want to review it?" But for That's decades. For decades, though, I have listened to this soundtrack. It is such a good soundtrack. But the film, mm. I mean, we know about the film, like the death of mm. Optimus Prime and oh, all that of was that. Huge. That Massive. was so pivotal. I didn't that watch affected. Transformers, but I heard about it before the internet. What did you think? What did you uh, having watched that scene where Optimus dies? What 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 were your, what was your takeaway? What were your initial thoughts what do you I mean, think of it well it's different now because we know it's fine like we, yeah. we know yeah. that i mean this happened during the run of the tv show it comes back and just like in the michael bay movies he either dies disappears comes back it's a yeah. it's a whole thing i mean yeah yeah you can take it or leave it now as an adult sure but as a kid the ramifications of that were huge it, it, like it was so traumatic as a young kid aged, aged about six or so seeing optimus prime like 
quote unquote die in the movie in, in the animated movie and it traumatizes you you're like no he can't die it's he's optimus prime and you're so that's you're just it. crushed so, by that yeah and that was the that was that's what they the movie, wanted they wanted the shock yeah. they wanted to introduce new yeah. characters but again like the fact that I watched it for the first time as a 39-year-old man. I'm not going to yeah. have that association that no. you would have or you someone have, no. would have had. Of course not. The movie feels like a requiem for him as a kid, but as an adult, you just go, ah, he'll be back. I get <laughs> it, though, because as a kid, there's a cartoon, you're collecting the toys, and they yeah. announce they're making a movie. He's like, wow, they're making a movie. And Optimus yeah. Prime dies. You're like, what? Yeah. How is... Yeah, it's betray- it felt like betrayal. It really did. It felt like betrayal. Let me well, ask I'm you glad. This I mean, I'm not glad, but I'm, I'm kind of glad that one of us had that experience. So we can, so you, can, you can talk about it. Let me ask you this. If you have, or do you have, a favorite Transformer character? If you had to pick a Transformer you liked, either visually or for their abilities, or just how cool they looked. Like, who would it be? I'll tell you mine in a minute. I want to hear yours. <laughs> okay. My first answer, well, my immediate answer was no. But if I was okay. going to say, I remember having, and this is not like from watching the cartoon, but I was a toy that I liked as a kid. It was an, it looked like Optimus Prime, but mm. it was white and blue. I can't okay. tell you more than that. But I just know that's what it was. So it looked like Optimus Prime. So it was like, you know, the truck with the trailer. I the one. Right. Okay. So I don't know if it was him in disguise or whatever it was, but more so as a toy and not because mm. it was Transformers. That was one that I liked. Gotcha. As a kid. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. What, what Did you... he have like a white? Did you have like a white body and a blue head? Honestly, like, until you ask me that question. I've not thought about it since I was a kid. So that's my, <laughs> that is my only answer. What about yourself? It sounds like you've got one. Oh, he was in this movie. Um, Soundwave. Soundwave was ah. awesome. He was the guy with the tape deck and he had all the, um in his chest, built into his chest. And he had all the, um uh, like the, the monsters, like not monsters, the Transformers that would jump out of his chest, like the Panther. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Lion, the, yeah. The Hawk. Yeah. And he had that really cool voice. That, like, uh, it's, it's hard to replicate, but, uh, See if I try to do it. This probably sounds kind of like this. No, that was that was dumb. Um, that <laughs> I mean, you know, no, it's staying in. You know who voices <laughs> Soundwave, don't you? No, who? Mr. Scooby Doo himself, Frank Welker. Frank Welker. Ah, yes. there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he has that really weird voice, but Soundwave just totally rocked as a kid, and he's he's the one figure I I don't think I ever had, and I've long wanted to try and chase it down just to say I got Soundwave. You know, just, just, I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> there's a pop vinyl of most, most characters. Anyone. Just on yeah. Frank Welker, so, as well as Soundwave, he also voiced Wheelie, Megatron, Frenzy, Rumble, Junkion. Hey, there you go. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that last one correctly. But mm. before we get to the rest of the cast, uh, this movie was directed by Nelson Shin. Mm. Are you familiar with him? Because I've got to be honest, I wasn't but then when i looked at what he was responsible for i was very much impressed i'm not so let's hear it so the movie was co-produced and directed by nelson shin who also produced the tv series in the 1970s shin worked as an animator at the party frailing enterprises and marvel productions where he worked on the pink panther films and spider-man 
and his amazing friends. Remember that one oh, where it was Spider-Man, Ice from Iceman, sorry, from X-Men and Firestar. I love that there show. You go. That came out in the 70s. I watched that on reruns. While at DFE, he also contributed to the animation of the lightsaber blades in the original Star Wars. This guy, director of this movie, contributing to the lightsaber. Much of the animation Shin's studio has produced has been for American television series. Some of ACOM's credits are The Simpsons, Batman the Animated Series, X-Men, Shin's most well-known accomplishment is his direction of the TV series, The Transformers, and the movie. Shin also directed the first season of the Canadian animated series, Toad Patrol. So there you that go. That's quite, quite the impressive resume. It is. I wasn't familiar with Toad Patrol, so I looked it up, and mm. yeah, that, that's aiming a bit younger than what they were doing with Transformers, gotcha. but that is a impressive resume. And honestly, Spider-Man and his amazing friends is available. It is streaming on Disney+. Plus. That was the first Spider-Man cartoon that I properly sat down and watched and just didn't see bits of. And I thought that mm. was the norm. But it's quite mm. an interesting show because you've got Spider-Man, but one of the regular or one of the main co-stars is Iceman and X-Man. It's it's an interesting yeah, show, but I've not watched it since. Yeah. It is, yeah, but I've not watched it since I was a kid. But there we go. So that's the director, Nelson Shin. Wow. So he's he's created quite a lot. And the screenplay for this film was written by Ron Friedman, who created Bionic 6 a year later. So what would that have been in 1987? 87. Yeah. I remember I had a Bionic 6 playset and the figures. And what was different about these action figures is they had bits of metal inside them. So there was, no. you know, you know, the whole bionic thing. Like so they reverse, were reverse transformers or something. Yeah, but they were, you know, human characters and then you had bases and, and everything else. But let's get to the the actors. I mean, mentioned mm. Peter Cullen already. So he is Optimus Prime. As recent as today, I watched the Michael Bay movie, because I'm working my way through all of them to get to the new one, Rise of the Beasts. I watched Transformers Age of Extinction. As the Michael Bay films go on, they don't get better. They get bigger no. and louder. They don't get yeah. better, but... I am constant... hearing good things about Beasts. Oh, yeah, no, me too. But the constant, as bad as some of the Michael Bay Transformers films are, mm. Peter Cullen. So whether it's yeah, he's animated, always, live action, he's, he's always going to be Optimus. And I hope he's back in, in Beasts, I really do. I'm pretty sure he is. You've got Optimus Prime in that, but you've also got um, Optimus Primal, you know, because they're doing Beast Wars. Primal. He's yeah, alter I mean, ego, yeah. No, it's a different character. It's a different character, I believe. Uh, okay. Because there's been heaps of Primes. And that's yeah. like the whole thing, you know, through, you know, Ad. Gotcha. You know Transformers gotcha. more than I do, but... Peter Cullen, like again, he's the go-to. Yeah, isn't he? like he's no iconic. matter what iteration of Transformers it is, they seem to always go back to him, which, which is, is a good great. thing. Just like Frank Welker with 
with Scooby Doo. But then, yeah, they're always there's some interesting <laughs> casting. So we've got Hot Rod, voiced by Judd Nelson, Bender, yeah, from the Breakfast Club. <laughs> It's funny because every time I think of John Nelson now, I cannot help but think of Jay and Silent Bob, although I always say he's harsh like John Nelson. So honestly, yeah. was it 85 when The Breakfast Club came out? I mean, that movie. Yeah. I mean, I didn't watch it as a new release. I love it to this day. Yeah. But as well as Hot Rod, uh, Nelson also voiced Rodimus Prime. So there you go. There's another Prime in there. There you go. Another Prime. And Hot Rod would later appear in Transformers The Last Night, which came out in 2017 as a Lamborghini. He is described oh. as Bumblebee's brother in arms. So there you go, Bumblebee. That's pretty cool. Fan. So he has a link link to the Bay films. Yep, fan favorite character. Um, but I'm pretty sure Judd Nelson didn't come back for that. Nice. But the characters that we've got, Ultra Magnus, Springer, Slag, Bone Crusher, Hook. I mean, these names. I mean, some good I, ones. I rem- you know, I mean, you know, I recently rewatched the He Man documentary, uh, The Power of Grayskull, which is a really yep. good documentary. Uh, but just at the idea stage where they're just making shit up, like just coming up yeah. with names of new characters. And For you the sake through, of names. Yep. And you go through the names of Transformers and it's. It's, very it's kind of the same. It is, yeah. but we get some cooler names like Grimlock, uh, Jazz, and of course Bumblebee. Yeah, Grimlock, always, Grimlock was always cool. Barricade was a good one too. Starscream. Yeah, so cool. there's some cooler sounding ones. We've got Shockwave. Well, there's just lame ones. Shockwave in this movie, voiced by Corey Burton, who's like a mainstay of animation. He was Brainiac in Superman the Animated Series. and Nice. Lots of you know, other things as well. And he did a couple of characters in this. He also voiced Witwicky. You know, I didn't realize that Sam Witwicky, the Shia LaBeouf character in the Bay films, was the character from Transformers. Um, hey, there you go. But he is, and there's a couple of Witwickys in in the series. Uh, we've got Galvatron, voiced by Leonard Nimoy. I mean, what Yeah, I recognized that voice straight away when I heard it. What a get. And, you know... Leonard Nimoy also later provided the voice of the Autobot turned traitor Sentinel Prime in Transformers Dark of the Moon, which came out in 2011. I watched that fairly recently. Completely missed that it was Spock. I missed that it was Nimoy altogether. But it does have a pretty decent cast. But again, you get to Orson Welles as Unicron, who is in Battle of the Beasts. Unicron is the big nice. Transformers planet, planet yeah. in that. Um, That's awesome. But here he is, like Orson Welles, like, you know. That's a huge this, name as well. It really, it really is. And unfortunately, it from it does sound as though he was it was pretty unwell when he was um making this movie. Most of his yeah. lines included labored breathing, heavy wheezing. Uh, the director considered most of Wells' dialogue unusable, but put the recordings through a voice synthesizer to give Wells' voice a clearer, more ominous tone. So they were able to salvage what he'd recorded because as unwell as he was from the sounds of it, at least they were able to put what he recorded 
Yeah, and he was obviously wasn't in very good health at that point. His his health was deteriorating or failing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when asked about his role in this film, Wells couldn't remember his character's name and described his role as a big toy who attacks a bunch of smaller toys. I mean, I'd watch that film. Well, he's not exactly wrong. He's not. No, exactly he's not. Wrong. No, but that's um, yeah, big, at least he has yeah. some record. He has some cognizance as to what he was actually doing. Unlike um, uh, Bob Hoskins in in the Super Mario Brothers movie, he had no idea he was portraying a, comp- a computer game character, which cracks me up to know. I him. know that's crazy. Not until his son said, "Hey, you're playing the video game character." Is that what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> that's at least at least Austin Wells had some kind of understanding of what was going on. That's true. But you know what? I do have an appreciation for that Super Mario Brothers movie. And especially since we've got the new animated movie. And it's like, yeah. right, they've done it the right way now. So I can kind of go back. Mm. Do you know, right? There's a, there's a deleted scene or an alternate ending to the Bob Hoskins Mario film. And essentially, oh, well. right, what's happening there is producers of a game turn up. And they're being told the real-life adventures of the Super Mario Brothers, which is what the film is. And then Mm. on the back of that, they go and make the video game. So Uh. it's kind of like the Bob Hoskins movie is what really happened, and the video game is the fantasy version. I quite like that. Synthesizing of it. Gotcha. That's kind of cool. Bit Bit fourth wall. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do like that. Um, another mm. cast member. I touched on him earlier. Eric Idle as Rekka or Rekgar, whatever his character's name is. But yeah, he is a Monty Python, and he mm. sounds like Eric Idle. It's so like he's the one. I mean, we were talking about Orson Welles being in this movie. Eric Idle mm. seems like a one. Like one of these things is not like the other. He really stands out in this movie but it is a fun bit of bit of casting i mean they weren't really doing that then they do it now Mm. like illumination you know talking about Mm. super mario chris pratt as mario and charlie day as luigi all of that they go to stars i mean this was like in the 80s like monty python they were doing movies that had the tv show flying circus that's it so he was an interesting get. So I'm not sure if you know he had kids that were a fan of Transformers. I mean, as you said, mm. Transformers were huge, so he probably, oh, yeah, he probably oh, did. They still are. Their popularity endures. I mean, you can go to to department stores into the toy sections of department stores and still see, you know, half an aisle or an aisle just dedicated to Transformers toys and apparel and merch. It's all still there. They're still popular and, and endearing and capture the imagination to this day for young ones. And they're always making new animated series, whether mm. it's Netflix, Paramount Plus. You can go Absolutely. to the movies now and watch the latest Transformers movie. So it's a franchise that's showing no signs of slowing it's down. Slowing down. With this movie, though, let's go back to the tone, right? because we mentioned yep. the movie does kill off many original characters. And mm. we've talked about Octopus Prime, but it's also Ironhide, Ratchet, Prowl, Brawn, yeah. Wheeljack, Windcharge, Megatron, Starscream, Skywarp, Thundercracker, Shrapnel, Kickback, Bombshell. Ah, oh, so many, 
Solemned by the dust. It was like a, a shedding of um, Transformers there, an exodus. But this movie came out between seasons two and three of the TV series, and the third mm. season reveals that Huffer also died, but off camera, at some point during <laughs> this movie. So just when you thought they were done, they had more characters to kill. <laughs> but, I mean, that was when it was at the height of its powers, too, the height of its peak In popularity. the in the theatrical release, Spike says, oh, shit, what are yeah. we going to do now? Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> well, that was when he and Bumblebee realized that blowing up the moon did not affect Unicron. Oh, shit, had been included to guarantee a PG rating. G-rated movies got fewer daily showings than other films at the time. So there you go. It's purely strategic. The line was removed from home media releases until 2000 when it was restored on Rhino Home Video's release and has remained a subsequent releases. So there you go. So shit is back in the movie, but at the time it was purely strategic. And just like DC animated movies, although not theatrical, they mm. do go for that M rating here in Australia, which is the PG-13 yeah. in the US. Up. And... They pretty much make a PG movie, but at some point, I mean, the character says, let's... shit, and they're like, that's it, yeah. that's enough, you can have your own rating. <laughs> You've met your quota. But I mean, let's not forget in the 80s, a lot of movies were doing that. You had properties like uh, the original Transform, not, what am I saying, the original Ghostbusters movie, and they say they, they say shit in that, and they swear in that, and um, there was smoking, there was, there was drinking, there was swearing, there was stuff like that depicted in movies of the time of the era and so i think censors weren't so hard pressed to you know to really clamp down on that back it was then different the back then i mean yeah things are a little more gritty we all know that there is a particular scene with a ghost dan Aykroyd as ray in bed in that first mm. Ghostbusters oh, movie. Yeah. we the all BJ know scene. what's happening but it's a pg yeah. movie and it's interesting yeah. That between Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, the real Ghostbusters happened, the animated series. Yeah. Which and was cool as hell. That it was, it was, but then they're like, they didn't make the first Ghostbusters movie for kids. They made no. a comedy movie. It was essentially like Abbott and Costello meets, whether it's be Frankenstein, Ghosts, or mm. whatever. That's totally like with what they were going for just to make like a horror comedy. And so it then feels like the success of the real Ghostbusters, they realize, wow, we've really reached a kid audience here. Yeah, so we have to turn it down. No bad language. Nobody yep. smokes in Ghostbusters yep. too. Yeah. So and, and it feels a, a little a, a little bit like that's what's happening here with the, the Transformers movie in the 80s. You know, they, they can allow a little bit of grittiness to come through, but not too much, just enough. Oh, well, essentially they were gonna get a G rating, and they're like, we don't mm. want that, so let's say shit. And get a PJ. Yeah. So that's to bump it up a little, yeah. Exactly right. Because this was a movie that came out between seasons two and three of a TV series, a kids' mm. TV series. And I up. guess they wanted it to be taken more seriously. Now, since yeah. the TV show, there have been numerous comic book adaptions. IDW published its own adaption of this film in 2006. 
This includes extra scenes such as a battle between the missing Combiners and Omega Supreme at the arc and Shockwave and Reflector being destroyed by Unicorn. So there you yeah, go. If you sure. want more story, you can check out that comic published by IDW. I think Marvel even had the license before IDW at, at one point. They did, but IDW have mm-hmm. got a habit of like doing like sequel series and you know, like boom, they've IDW. Yeah. They've got a lot of IPs. Um, but you're yep. right, like Marvel Comics, um, back in the 80s, they were publishing Transformers comics. That's right. Yep. That's it. So the Transformers, the movie, if you're going to rate it out of five. Look, I had a pretty hard time with it, um, watching it as an adult, just because... I guess as I as you age, your eyesight's not what it was. It's a bit more sensitive and stuff. And so all the flickering and blinking lights just really didn't sit well with me. I had to look away from the screen a few times. Um, I was like, oh man, am I going to get a seizure watching this? What the hell? So <laughs> I just didn't, it did, sort of did visually, it, it was a bit too overwhelming for me at times. I did have to look away occasionally from some, some scenes. Um, and yeah, so that kind of impacted my my enjoyment of it as an adult. As a kid, I don't know how I put up with all that. I think as a kid, you're just you know, so excited to see everything on the screen. Your eyes are already dilated anyway. Your pupils are already dilated anyway with excitement as a kid. But as an adult, yeah, I was squinting a bit through it, and it, it did crimp my enjoyment of it. Um, the, the the Optimus death scene doesn't hit me as hard, obviously, now as an adult as it did as a kid. Um, but I still understand, like you say, why they did it. So I think for me, I, I'd probably come in pr- pretty low at about maybe a two. Um just because it doesn't have, it doesn't do what it did for me as a kid. Uh, obviously, I don't have that attachment to it anymore, that sentimentality as I did it uh, anymore. And it just sort of, yeah, it just didn't sit that that well with me. It hasn't really aged well for me. Um, so it, it felt, it, I, I'd have to give it a two. I can't really give it higher than that. Yeah, no. That's fair. I mean, we've not really talked about it. I mean, I don't remember the flashing lights, but you had that experience. What I will say, what I was really impressed by, because again, like, so this is a movie from 1986. It's a Mm. movie that, you know, it's spun off from a TV series. The animation looks pretty great. Like, it really Mm. is good, clean Mm. animation. That's definitely... Definitely a high point. Like it was just, yeah, it just had a really clean look to it. Now, I know the characters, I get it, you know, Optimus Prime, but what's happened with me watching it now, it's a thing that happened way back when. I know that mm. it happened. The characters have mm. since come back, not just in animation, but in live action and all of that. So, yeah, the death of Optimus Prime, I mean, it didn't quite have the same effect that I had watching Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, The Death of Spock. Mm. That was a, a different thing altogether. But at the same time, appreciating that if I was a kid watching it when it came out, the back of the TV series, I have the toys. I mean, it would have hit hard. Mm. Absolutely. It does feel a little bit like a filler between seasons, and that's what mm. it ended up being, but... You know, it does have a fan base and it's good in its own right. And and again, not the soundtrack. The soundtrack is phenomenal. The best thing about it. I'd say the soundtrack, the animation, and everything else comes after that. But 
it is worth watching, but we always say a three out of five is a recommend on the podcast. I can't quite yeah. come as high as a three. Yeah. Just like you, I'm going to come in at a two out of five. I do appreciate it. I'm glad that mm. I finally have watched it and get why so many people do hold this film up in such high regard. And, and again, it was a big mm. thing. It yeah. was a big it's thing. Re- but It's revered, for sure. Behind the scenes, they just wanted to release new toys. Oh, they yeah. didn't want to Unless... keep releasing new versions of Optimus Prime. They wanted to take mm. him off the board for a while and release new toys. But hey, that was the 80s. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I should also say that I, I am very much looking forward to seeing Rise of the Beasts. Having been a fan of Beast Wars when I was a teenager, watching it after school, I do have a vested interest in wanting to go back and watch Rise of the Beasts, see how that goes. I've never seen Beast Wars, but I do have every intent of watching Rise of the Beast mm. out of the cinema. I will yeah. I will watch it. I'll well, be there too. Okay. <laughs> That's it for our episode all about the Transformers, the movie. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's been more than meets the eye. Always a pleasure and never a chore. Nice. (laughs) As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.